0: Welcome to Dollars and Cents. I'm Elaine Scollin, along with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates. They're experts in helping you get out of debt. So we're going to look at options, Options and consultations—the things. If you're in debt, what do, what are you going to choose? How are you going to look at it? All the different options that people have, uh, and you should consider. There's there's all kinds of different ways to do it. And the thing is about Blair, which is one of the best things that he's so knowledgeable about the good ones and the ones that people are a little bit prone to use that then find themselves even more of a pickle. So to to start this segment off, let's talk about some of the common options. That folks may encounter when they're actually thinking about taking some action to manage their debts and then some of the pros and cons to each.
1: Yes, this is a situation where somebody knows, okay, I'm not comfortable right now. I might be making my minimum payments, but I know I'm not getting out of debt. Or maybe something massive has happened, whether it's a job loss, you know, a marriage breakdown, uh, maybe a sickness of Mm themselves or a close family member. So something's happened where they're not in a financially comfortable situation anymore. And people start to, you know, look around. Well, what is it that I can do? I've got a bunch of debt. Um, You know, what makes sense? And, you know, in general, we put them in a bit of the order that people will consider these types of options. And the first thing people often consider is if they're carrying a bunch of debt, you know, maybe it's a store credit card and it's a bank credit card and it's a line of credit and so on and so forth. They try to see, well, can we consolidate this debt? So they go to the bank and they try to get a bank debt consolidation loan.
0: And that's putting all those things into one into one payment, mm-hmm. but it's not necessarily um, a smaller amount that you end up paying? Or am I wrong about no, that? No,
1: you're completely right. So in a consolidation loan, there's no reduction in your debt. So if you owe $20,000 across four different banks at various different interest rates and due on various different days in the month, what a consolidation loan does is the new bank goes and pays off all of the other debts. And then you have one debt that you're going to pay each month. You're going to pay it on a certain day. It's ideally going to have a lower interest rate. So, you know, a store credit card might be 30%, a payday loan, 40%, a credit card, 20%. A consolidation loan is usually in the range of 10 to 12%. So it's still not zero, but it could be a significant savings over what you're paying on your other debts.
0: So that sounds kind of attractive to me, but there's some downside to that.
1: Yeah. So the first one, as you alluded to, Elaine, is there's no reduction in your debts. So you still have to repay the debts in full plus interest. And if you can afford it, that's great. But a lot of the times people find that to be a tough situation because the debts have accumulated so far that even paying off a consolidation loan at, again, a reasonable, you know, 10 to 12% interest, that's just not affordable.
0: And you got to qualify for that thing too. It's not like you just get it.
1: Yeah, and that's probably the number one barrier. I think there's very few people that come to see me where I'm the first call they've made. Quite often they've went to the bank first, and usually the test for a consolidation loan is okay. Um, you know, do you have any assets, person asking for the consolidation loan? So you want the bank to go and pay off all of these other creditors, but do you have an asset you can pledge to the bank that, in the event you default in the consolidation loan, they still have a means to get paid? So sometimes that's you know, if you have a house with a whole lot of equity, they'll give you a consolidation loan because they can put a charge on that home. And if you don't pay on the consolidation loan, eventually when you refinance or sell the house, the bank will get all their money back. Sometimes they'll say, well, you know, you're not a great risk right now, but why don't you get us a co-signer, okay? And then if you get the co there, as long as you make all the payments, the co-signer will never get called. But if it's the case that you can't make a payment, suddenly you've got a friend, a family member, a coworker, whoever you um, got involved in this situation, you've now got to deal with them as well. So be very aware it can be difficult to, cons- to qualify for a consolidation loan and oftentimes adding a cosign or a pledging assets might be the only way to do so, but it o- might not also be the smartest way to do so.
0: Right, because it's just a huge amount of stress on you again for that and you're you're bringing in a person that, that might have offered to help and, and now they're in a a bad situation because you weren't able to do something.
1: Oh yeah, most of the co-signers I've ever spoken with, they never thought they'd ever have to pay a dime or a dollar on this. They were just doing it, you know, like to help somebody out. Yeah. Theoretically, Signature this might happen. Signature on a document, yeah. right? And then when we say, well, if this person does a bankruptcy or a proposal, now the bank's coming to the co-signer for a full 100% repayment, that's a pretty shocking thing to have happen.
0: Okay, so the next thing in the li- in the list is credit counselling service. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a good idea. Everybody could probably use some credit counselling services.
1: Yeah, and credit counselling can make a whole a lot of sense for someone if the debt problem's relatively small they need a bit of budgetary counseling um, you know, get a few questions answered so on and so forth these are things a trustee would do as well but a credit counselor is often seen as less intimidating uh, a lot of them are branded as you know not for profit charitable services um, and they do do some good work in the community now. The challenge um, is that the product that a credit counselor can offer, if it's more than just informal um, consultations, giving you some coaching on how you set things up, uh, if it's the case that a credit counselor is actually going to help you repay part of your debt, you've got to be a little bit careful because what a credit counselor can do is they can essentially consolidate some of your debt, but not all of your debt. So a credit counselor is essentially a bank-funded collection agent, and what they can do is they can work with all the other bank debts that you have, the credit cards, um, the, you know, lines of credit and things like that. And they can often negotiate an interest freeze for those banks that are part of the credit counseling network. What they can't do is they can't deal at all with government debt. They can't deal typically with payday loans. Um, there's a bunch of other types of debt that just can't be dealt with as a part of a, a credit counseling plan. So you need to be careful that if you're gonna go on a credit counseling plan that it's actually gonna solve the whole situation. Um, And you need to be also aware that if you do go on a credit counseling plan, it is going to impact your credit the same as if you had done a consumer proposal or a personal bankruptcy, which we're going to talk about. But a big difference in a credit counseling plan is you've got to pay everything back in full. So as where we talk in a proposal, or we will talk later, a proposal can discount the debt and save you some money. In a credit counseling plan, you have to pay everything back in full. You might get a break on the interest, but your credit rating does actually take a hit as well. So it may not be the best option.
0: And there's also a fee attached to that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, of what you're paying back, a portion of that um, goes to repay the debt. Uh, A portion of it goes to the credit counseling society as a fee as well, or the credit counseling organization.
0: And unlike dealing with a licensed insolvency trustee like Sands and Associates, there's no government body regulating credit counseling qualification fees or if you've got an issue with them, a dispute Mm -hmm. of some sort. So, you're you're kind of out there in the wind a bit.
1: Yeah, if you've got, you know, one of your creditors decided to be part of this consolidation plan and then suddenly a few. Few years in they decide they don't want to be part of it anymore and they decide they want to sue you there's nothing that can be done. That person is going to be able to opt out and sue you separately and make your life difficult because if you're not dealing with a trustee, there's no legal protection. It's just based on best efforts and hopefully people keeping up their word.
0: Okay, so let's talk about that, dealing with a trustee like Sands & Associates. Uh, there's a couple of options uh, that uh, if I'm taking action, if I, if the debt is too much and mm-hmm. we need to take action on it. So the first one is uh, a consumer proposal. And again, it's, it's a new concept for some people. Mm-hmm. It's been around for a while, uh, but, it, but how it's structured is pretty cool.
1: Yeah, so it's the greatest debt relief option that you may never have heard of. And hopefully, let's do this show for years and years, everyone will have heard of it. But now I still have people coming in saying, oh my God, how do I not know about this? Yeah. So the way a consumer proposal works is it consolidates all of your debt. So it's similar to the credit counseling plan we talked about, but it's better in that it includes everything. So it includes government debts, it includes income taxes, student loans, um, private loans, payday loans, any debt that you have just about can be part of a consumer proposal consolidation. And what's a big difference is that a consumer proposal, it actually reduces the amount that you have to repay. So for every consumer proposal, a trustee has to sit down and do an analysis. The analysis is, if this person were to file for bankruptcy, what would happen? And oftentimes, if someone doesn't have a whole lot of assets, they're making, you know, reasonable money but not not rich by any means, if they file for bankruptcy, odds are the debts are not going to get repaid at all. It might be a 0% recovery or a 10% recovery. If we offer a consumer proposal for a 20 or a 30%, somewhere in that range, recovery, Almost every time the creditors will say, yes, we'd rather get something instead of nothing or more rather than less. So a consumer proposal is meant to be the compromise between your creditors wanting all their money back, you not being able to pay everything that they want back, but you making an offer for what you can afford. So it can be an amazing situation, get people back on track, it's not a bankruptcy and it's only available through a licensed insolvency trustee.
0: And it can pay, I like this part too, that it can be paid off in full Mm -hmm. if if that happens to be your circumstance, also.
1: Yeah, exactly. Without
0: penalty is the key, I guess. That's
1: right. So yeah. if you're doing a consumer proposal and it's for payments over three years and, you know, suddenly something great happens, you get a bonus, you get a raise, um, you know, some some money comes your way, you can pay the proposal off more quickly, start to put it in the rear view mirror. Uh, again, no interest, no penalty. You just pay off that reduced amount. So if it's the case you were thinking of getting family members to help you by paying off your debt and then, you know, pay back the family members, I've seen situations again and again where it's so much better for an individual to do a consumer our proposal reduce the total amount of the debt and then get their family members to help them pay it off. Got so it. if family members are paying off, you know, thirty percent of the total, rather than hundred percent of the total, still achieving the same outcome of helping their family member become debt free.
0: That's a, that's a that's a that's a really good way of looking at it too. I hadn't thought about that part of it. What about your credit history with a consumer proposal? What's the hit there?
1: Yeah. So they've recently updated the guidance. So from the day that you sign a consumer proposal, it's going to clear six years from that day. So most proposals run for three to four or five years. Um, so they're going to clear. Six six years in the day that you sign, or if you pay it off more quickly, it's two to three years in the day you pay it off. So okay. it's a very lump sum proposal. It's in and out of your credit in the space of two or three years. Um, if it's going to run for the full term, the max, m- maximum time it would be on there is for six years.
0: Okay. And then the oth- other option that only a licensed insolvency trustee can uh, help you structure and get you through is a personal bankruptcy.
1: Yeah. So personal bankruptcy is a situation where you throw up your hands and you say, you know what? I can't even afford to do a 20 to 40% repayment, um, but I need help. The debts are are so significant that I just can't face them and things are happening you know maybe I'm being sued wages taken and things like that a personal bankruptcy allows you to start back at zero the amounts you have to pay are 100% set by your income so it could be a million dollars of debt or a few thousand dollars of debt what the person has to repay depends on how well or not well they're doing at that specific moment so bankruptcy for most people it's over in nine months uh, for most people it costs them about eighteen hundred dollars which is split into two hundred dollars a month over those nine months But there's a huge amount of aspects and complexity. It's not something we go into as a first objective. But for many people, probably, you know, about a third of individuals in BC who see a trustee, two-thirds will do a proposal, about a third will end up doing a bankruptcy.
0: Okay, and because we asked the question with the consumer proposal, what about your credit history?
1: Yeah, it's a little bit more severe. So a bankruptcy uh, reports as an R9, where R1 is perfect credit. So a bankruptcy is a little more severe than a consumer proposal would be. Um, And a bankruptcy clears six years after your discharge date. So if a bankruptcy was nine months, it's going to clear six years plus those nine months. It's not that different from a consumer proposal being clear. It's not a black and white difference, but it is more significantly bad. It is slightly worse. Sorry. Right. more. It is worse for you than a, a consumer proposal would be.
0: Okay, so anything else that we should keep in mind when we're kind of considering or evaluating each of those that you want to add as we sort of wind down this segment?
1: Yeah, you know, I think just from a comfort perspective, you want to make sure whoever you're dealing with is licensed and regulated. Um, debt matters are regulated by the federal government. There are no credit counselors that are regulated by the federal government. The only professional that is regulated is a licensed insolvency trustee. So if you come to an LIT, you know you're in the right spot to get the best advice.
0: Here's the 1-800 number for Sands & Associates, 660. 666- 13030. 30. Go to their website, Sands Trustee.com. You're listening to Dollars and Cents. Welcome to Dollars and Cents. I'm Elaine Scollin along with Blair Manton from Sands and Associates. They're experts in helping you get out of debt. This segment is all about really. Practical tips to tackle financial stress, if that's what you're feeling, uh, and I'm sure feeling stressed about finances uh, can be paralyzing. Mm-hmm. Depending on the magnitude of the debt, or depending on what kind of person you are, even if it's a small amount, yeah, paralyzing, all-consuming. We've uh, we've mentioned that before as well. So, what's the do you have sort of a list? What's the first thing that you would tell somebody uh, coming in the door who's feeling stressed about their financial situation?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, People coming through the door feeling stressed are definitely the majority of the clients that we see at Sands and Associates because really nobody takes their debt problem lightly. Or at least I haven't met many of them in my you know probably 13 years of being a trustee now. Um, So when people come in, they're pretty stressed. You know the first thing I say is okay, you've done the hardest thing now. You've reached out for help, so you can relax a little bit. You know you're around uh, people that are here to support you, and you know words are only so much. We need to demonstrate that in all of our meetings, which is what we try to do. I think the first recommendation that I give to people when they come in is just to recognize recognize and acknowledge that they are under stress, Mm -hmm. that, you know, they're dealing with a lot in their financial situation. Um, So sometimes when I hear somebody just list out everything they're dealing with day to day, um, you know, all the payments that they're juggling around, um, you know, the salary that just isn't enough, the kids extra expenses, the rent that's went up. And I look at them, I say, wow, you're carrying a lot of this, a lot of stress right now. And they're suddenly, yeah, you know, that's right. I didn't realize it, but I can feel it. So I think it's just to recognize and, and acknowledge that you are dealing with stress. And, you know, if you're not sure if you're having a situation where there is financial stress, here's a couple of little tips that you can basically test. So, you know, if you're regularly short on money and you're relying on credit to meet your expenses.
0: And you're talking, when you're talking about expenses, you're not talking about the, the frivolous stuff. You're talking about the real rent, mm-hmm. power, all of those things that yeah. we all have to pay for.
1: On a monthly basis, you just find every month there's something that you don't have the cash You've got to put it on the credit card. You're relying on credit to meet your daily living expenses. That's a huge warning sign, and a huge source of financial stress.
0: Now, I would imagine uh, even if you're making your uh, month-to-month expenses, but not having uh, any left over to mm-hmm. put aside to actually not touch the next month, yeah. that would be pretty stressful for people.
1: Yeah, that, that's a great segue, Elena. Yeah, a second, you know, really big flag is people being stressed that they don't have any savings. So we all know, you know, one of the great uh, maxims if you're going to be dealing with your personal finances is to have an emergency fund, you know, have six months of your fixed expenses socked away. Don't put it in any risky investments. You might need that cash. And then beyond that, you also should be saving for your retirement. And you should be taking advantage of your TFSA. And if your kids are school age, you should be doing an RESP, just saying all this stuff starts to get me stressed. Am I remembering all the right acronyms? Yeah. So you can imagine if you're someone that's, you know, they're not sure there's enough money to make it to the end of the month. And then you also have this extra anxiety that, oh my God, if I was in a tough situation, I don't have the emergency fund. And what about when my kids need money for tuition for the RESP? And what about my TFSA? I'm not taking advantage of it. So we can really feel by not having savings, the stress can compound that we're just not um, you know, doing the best that we can for our finances.
0: And sometimes savings isn't even part of somebody's consciousness in terms of you know needing or, or expecting or or, or uh, automatically putting money aside. It's like that's a joke. Who could mm-hmm. who could possibly think that way? Yeah, that's and a luxury.
1: Once we get through this, then I'm going to save. Exactly,
0: and that's mm-hmm. and that's part of the that's part of the cue that oh boy, you need to stop and take a look and and really look at the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I bet is it, no change, right? The, those The balance at the end of the month doesn't change. You're, you're paying, and I always think of those darn credit cards where it never never changes. It just gets more.
1: Yeah, that can be really stressful as well. So I have people bring in their credit card statements sometimes for a few months and we look through them and say, okay, so you made the minimum payment this month, that was $200, $190 of that went to interest and charges. So you knocked it down $10. So literally 5% of what you're doing is actually drawing down the problem. 95% is just getting consumed every month uh, in penalties and in in interest there. Uh, So if you're paying every month, but you don't see your balances go down, down, that can be another source of financial stress.
0: Absolutely. Do you want to go on to the the, the next big idea? Because uh, of of actually. Planning a budget for yeah, folks because right? that seems like that would be a solution mm-hmm. uh, for some.
1: Yeah, so the best solution that, that we can give where we start, and this is with every client, is we've got to figure out on a, on you know a single sheet of paper here. Oh, what's the incoming? What's the outgoing? And is there an imbalance here? So you have got to put together a budget. So what we wanted to talk about today is how do you do that? Well, the most important thing is you've got to put it in writing. If a budget is some you know nebulous idea in your head, you think this is your salary, you know this is your rent, and the rest just kind of slots in there you don't have a budget you've got a wish (laughs) It's not going to play out that way. So what you need to do every month is to really put things down in writing. um, And you want to make sure that you're also doing a debt budget. So you want to start with a list of all the debts that you have, list out all the balances, the interest rates, the account numbers, and the amount you're required to pay each month. uh, And look at that beside your budget. Uh, A lot of people never do that. They have, you know, an idea in their head of, you know, their notional budget. Uh, They just make the minimum payments when they can, but they've never actually connected the two and said, you know, what is? my budget allow me to pay on my debts? And is that getting me ahead?
0: And that practice of writing it down makes a huge difference.
1: Exactly. So, you know, starting at the top of a budget, most important, we need to figure out the income. So, you know, add up all of your take-home pay, if it's pensions or if it's, um, you know, T4 salary income or self-employed, you need to know what you're starting from. um, And then start by listing out your fixed expenses. So these are going to be the easy ones that you know every month, what's your rent, your car payment, uh, ICBC, different things like that. Mm Uh, from there, you have to list out your variable expenses so things you have some control over. So it might be entertainment, dining out, groceries, transportation, uh, different things like that. And then you need to see, is there money for debt repayment? And if you're already over your income when you've listed out your fixed income uh, and your variable expenses, you need to start looking kind of hard. Is there something we can do on these variable expenses? You know, not to say can we eat less, but, you know, can we eat more frugally, for example, um, to see is there any money in that budget for debt repayment?
0: Now, I bet that that's uh, can be a bit of a, uh, a wake-up call for folks if they've never done it before, writing it all down and putting it into perspective, really, of, of what you've got. And that would help with the stress, I think, in the mm-hmm. long run, too, wouldn't it?
1: Absolutely. Because so much of a, of a source of stress is we're trying to hold too many things in our mind at the same time, and our mind just rebels. We can only hold a certain number of things in our short-term memory. So as soon as we're able to really put down in detail in a single sheet of paper, what's our income controlling, you know, for monthly, monthly fluctuations? What's our fixed expenses? What are the expenses we have some control over? And then what can we dedicate to debt? Um, you know, we know we're in a hopeless situation if by the time we get to the bottom of the budget uh, to put money against our debt, we're already negative. We know at that point we need to make some changes. You know, conversely, um, if we're able to list down our fixed expenses, our variable expenses, and we've got lots of money left over for debt, well, then we can be strategic on how we deploy those funds.
0: And you'll help me figure that out as well.
1: Of course, yeah. So if you come into Sands and Associates, one of the first things we're going to look at is, you know, do you have the ability to get out of from under this under your own steam? So if we just do a budget for you, figure out here's how you prioritize your debt repayments. Is that enough? In most cases, it's not, unfortunately, because a lot of the time these debts have accumulated. They're too significant. Uh, but in some cases, it's enough just to really be structured and make sure you're, you're tracing where your money's coming and going to.
0: I think it's really important. You've got a really good list of things to remind people of um, that it, this doesn't happen overnight. You don't get to fix it overnight. That's just not realistic. We yeah. can do a lot of things overnight. We can't do that.
1: No, that's exactly right. And you know, it's the old adage, you know, the problem didn't arise overnight. You probably been dealing with this for years, so you can't expect an instant solution, but you can expect some instant relief that, and the feeling that you're dealing with something if you do take some steps forward. So it's really important to be kind to yourself. You know, give yourself a break. Beating yourself up for bad financial decisions you made years ago that you're still dealing with, that doesn't serve anybody at this point so be a bit kind to yourself reach out for some professional help and start with the budget
0: and that's the key, right? You've already you've already taken that first enormous step by asking for some help. You've done the research, you've looked around, you can tell that now I'm ready to do this, and these guys, Sands and Associates, at any of their 17 offices, that's the best place to start. Uh, if you want to give them a call and set up your first free uh, consultation to get yourself out of debt, the 1-800 number 661-3030 go to their website, it's terrific if you haven't seen it yet, Sands- trustee.com. You're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates. Welcome to Dollars and Cents. I'm Elaine Scollin along with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates. They're experts in helping you get out of debt. So, covering all the good reasons and I know you've just listed 5, but I'm sh- there, there's lots mm-hmm. why you should take charge of your finances. Now, yeah, not put it off, um, and because there's good motivation too uh, to do that. And if you're thinking, "Oh, I'm not very motivated," we've got those reasons mm-hmm. why it's a good idea to take to take this on. It's a big deal. We, you get it, right? It's a big deal for people.
1: Yeah, 100. Well, I understand, Elena. It's it's interesting for me. <laughs> excuse me, because you know the number one thing that I hear, I don't hear anybody regretting. Oh my God, I regret I came to see the trustee. I regret I filed this bankruptcy. I regret I did this consumer proposal. Everybody seems to regret, why did I suffer for so long? Why did I wait? Why did I take my time? Why did I flail about and just, you know, in fear and uncertainty before I took action? And Uh, you've
0: got some, sorry, you've got some really good statistics on how many people delay, what the percentages of mm-hmm. people who delay taking that action, which at the end of the day is really good action to take.
1: Yeah, exactly. So we, we've surveyed our, our client base. We've done the BC Consumer Debt Study um, every year since 2012. So we got years of really good in, insight and information about our clients. And what we found consistently is it's over one quarter of people. So in our most recent survey, it's about 27% of people, um, they worked for more than two years to try to manage their debts on their own from when they knew there was a problem to when they actually phoned up a trustee and came in and sat down. So two years.
0: That's a lot. That's a long time and a big chunk of the population. 27%. Wow.
1: Well, and it's even worse than than that. So, you know, 27% is a lot, but it's another 25%, so more than half of the population, they waited over a year. So, you know, more than 50% of people are waiting more than a year from when they know they've got a debt problem to when they actually seek some help. Um, It was less than 10% of people, so 9.5% percent of people said, hey, as soon as I knew I had a problem, I reached out for help.
0: See, that's encouraging to me as well, that about 10 percent of the people took some action, because mm-hmm. I'm sure in years past or you know, depending on on what, on the climate, the economic climate, people might not be so quick to take action, Mm -hmm. not even that 10%.
1: You're right. Yeah. So definitely you can look at it from the positive. Okay. One in 10 took action right away. Uh, It distresses me a bit that, you know, nine in 10 really suffered because they didn't reach out for For help right away. think about, you know, if you've got a a health problem, you got you know, a cavity that's killing you, a headache, or you break your leg, you don't wait to go to the doctor. You know, you get the professionals involved right away because these things don't get better on their own. They tend to get worse.
0: So what are people, People who aren't taking the action, what are, you know, what are they thinking? What are they thinking by not taking the action? Yeah, and
1: we asked that question, you know, why did you delay taking action? You know, the most common one, though, is that people thought their situation would improve on its own. Um, you know, we're all eternal optimists. So, you know, quite often when I'm sitting with clients, especially if they've got their own business, it's like, you know, it's been a bad five year stretch, but I just know next year is going to be so much better. It's going to get me out of the hole. I'm going to be just fine as I move forward. So a lot of people just think, hey, something's going to happen and things are going to get better on their own.
0: I think it's, I think it's just part of our human nature, right? Yeah, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, not dealing with the debts a lot of complications and consequences. Let's uh, let's talk about those a bit.
1: Yeah. So the first one, as I alluded to, is you know when you're dealing with money problems, especially if there's interest being charged, you know these things don't get better over time. They actually get worse, and the reason is that the interest and the issues actually get bigger. Um, so whether you're continuing to take on you know extra debt every month because you haven't dealt with your budget, or if it's the case you got this debt, you're not adding to it, but because it's on a credit card, 20 to 30% interest per year, it's starting to move away from you. So, you know, if someone, for example, here, if someone had a debt at 20% interest rate on a credit card. You know, normally that's about $250 minimum payment sounds manageable. Uh, but if they were to pay that off over a five year period, they would pay more than $6,000 in interest charges. So crazy amount. Exactly. So more than 60% premium on what they actually owe. And if they were to just do the minimum payments, you know, that type of debt would take them decades to get out of. So if you don't deal with it quickly, the interest can really start to run away from you.
0: And I, I like that you included, there's a bit of a formula that you can run through. Mm-hmm. Uh, Uh, on your own. You don't need anybody's help to do this. And what's the formula?
1: Yeah. So most people understand, you know, a percentage of income basis. So, okay, you know, maybe a third of my income should go to rent, ideally, or mortgage. For debt, that number is 10%. So if you're spending more than ten percent of your take-home pay after tax take-home pay what you have your disposable income um, on debt payments that's usually a really big warning sign uh, that things aren't moving in the right direction.
0: And that doesn't sound like very much to me, mm-hmm. but it's a significant amount though you say for looking down the road.
1: Yeah, because it's ten percent now, but if those debts keep to grow, um, that percentage of your income over time is just going to increase.
0: Awesome. Okay, or I mean not awesome, but I get it. Yeah. Uh, what's the other? What's What's the next reason why? People 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 should take action now.
1: Yeah, you know, anybody that's been in debt is going to hear these words and do, you know, a big head nod, and that's for sure. It's debt stress is real stress. It is. So it's as stressful as anything you can imagine, you know, a physical ailment, uh, psychological ailment. It's often a combination of everything, emotional, physical, psychological, what we feel when we're in debt. It can just be an overwhelming feeling of hopelessness, of not feeling like you want to wake up in the morning. I have my clients tell me some days, you know, waking up, getting a shower, going for a walk, that was victory for them because they were so deep in the depression uh, that can be caused by feeling like you're in a hopeless situation with no way out. So you know, common things, anxiety. Um, as I said, depression, feelings of hopelessness. When we surveyed our clients, over sixty percent of people. We asked them, "How often do you worry about your debts?" Over sixty percent of people said the worry was constant. Wow. We never not. <laughs> we were never not worrying about our debts.
0: It makes it makes sense that it would be all consuming. And I like that you also. It's not just it's not just the worrying part, but there's a physical aspect to stress mm-hmm. as well, and that can take a real toll on folks.
1: Yeah, and what's really great. From our position at Sands and Associates, and I'm sure you've heard me remark about this, Elaine, is just the transformation of the clients. Mm-hmm. From the first meeting when they come in, you can see that they're wearing their debt problems from head to toe. It's manifesting in six or seven different ways. Um, to where I'm seeing them for a first or a second counseling session, you know, they feel like now they're in control. They're facing things head on. So, you know, the nice thing, ideally, about money stress is it's got a solution. You know, it's not this, um, you know, crazy ailment that we don't know. We got to do experimental research for. No, there's solution for debt um, they can definitely reduce your debt stress if you don't delay too long and, and suffer forever
0: which kind of leads us to that third reason uh, why it's important or almost urgent to take care of your finances now is that idea and that's part of the emotional stress is being panicked yeah about about the situation and you can say, oh, oh, I can do this. And then you rush ahead and do that.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So our third factor here is what we've said is, you know, panic can lead to hurried decisions. And if we think about it, if your listeners think about it, you know, the best decisions you've made in your life were probably not when you felt like your back was completely against the wall. You didn't know what to do. You were just flailing about, um, you know, just searching for a lifeboat, so to speak. But that's often what happens with debt. So people, ignore the problem for so long that finally when they have to deal with it, meaning you know, they've been taken to court, their wages are being seized, their assets are at risk, oftentimes they'll do anything in that moment just to make the pain stop, to, you know, to survive another day. So the most tragic thing that I often see is people cashing in their RRSPs. So anyone that listens to this show knows RRSPs are federally protected assets. They can never be taken from you, no matter if you're sued or not. Um, but if you're feeling incredibly stressed and the collection agent hits you in a moment of weakness mm-hmm. and says, hey, you've got some RSP savings, don't you? Oh yeah, I do. Well, well, you know you'd have to give those up on your debts anyway, so why don't you be the right, the good person right now and pay those to us? I've had clients again and again tell me it was fast-talking collector that told them that basically they've got to do something that was the completely wrong decision for them.
0: And the key again is that you don't have to- to cash in your RRSPs, mm-hmm. whether you're doing a consumer proposal, even a bankruptcy, are yeah, you covered as exactly. well? So really important to yeah, know that. Yeah, and
1: it wasn't always like that, but for about the last eight years it's been like that. So, you know, folks should hopefully be aware, yeah, RSPs are safe and protected. Uh, and when you think about this panic leading to, you know, unwise decisions, you know, a lot of it is people are scared for reaching out for debt help because they're worried about being judged, they feel embarrassed. Um, you know, a full 35% of people that we studied when we said, you know, well, why did you wait? You know, part of it was I thought I could manage, but another big portion of it was just people really having the fear of sharing their problems with a. professional professional, they're going to feel judged, feel less than, so on and so forth. And a lot of that's why we do this show, Elaine, is just to let people know that, you know, debt's a problem like any other, and our job as a trustee is not to make you feel judged, it's to help you move forward.
0: And you have trained people in all of the offices, the 17 offices, are we still at 17? We are. 17 yes. offices of Sands & Associates, where that's part of the process of figuring all the, uh, all of the debt situation out and how to, and how to solve it or resolve it, is um, there's assistance there for folks mm-hmm. uh, that do feel bad and and, and some ways not to.
1: Yeah, and, and you know this is not revolutionary, but it's clear to to all of us at & Associates, our clients are far more than a number on a page, far more than just a debt balance that we're going to eliminate. So we try to look at the entire person, their personal, their family situation, what's going to help them turn things around. And you know we can get a lot of gratification out of seeing people who become very successful after they've dealt with us.
0: So what's the uh, what's the bet? One of well, the best decision, mm-hmm. and uh, I like this that to take charge of the debts puts you when you when I come and see you about my situation, I'm now in a little more uh, of being in charge than I was.
1: Yeah, I would say, you know, making the decision to deal with your debts 100% puts you in the driver's seat. So, you know, no longer are you playing defense, not wondering what's the phone gonna ring, what court documents are gonna show up, so on and so forth. When you've dealt with your debts, the trustee's gonna tell you, here's what you say if those collectors call you. You say, I filed a consumer proposal, I filed a bankruptcy, talk to Sands & Associates, I know my rights and you're wasting my time now. Um, You know, you get armed with all the information that you need and if you're doing a consumer proposal, There's a whole lot of pride to be said and hey, I took charge of my situation. I worked out, here's what I could afford to repay. I made an offer through the trustee. I didn't run from anybody here and I've got the control in that proposal. Now I'm protected. I can pay it off if I'm able to sooner. Um, I can take the full five-year term, for example, but there can be a lot of pride in saying, you know what, I'm not the person taking the incoming now. I'm the person who's executing on a strategy that's going to basically turn my life around.
0: And this is all about hope for, there's a huge percentage of people that I know that you've talked to over... and part of your polling uh, that didn't know where to didn't mm-hmm. know where to go. Well, now you do. So that's in your favor. And there's a real process that Sands and Associates goes through with people who walk through the door.
1: Yeah. And, you know, it's not the case. Everybody that we see, the right answer is a bankruptcy or a proposal. You know, sometimes it's some informal coaching. Sometimes it's telling them, hey, this debt's 10 years old and they're bothering you, but you really don't need to deal with it. Sometimes it's just arming with information, you know, giving even just a little bit of informal coaching and then helping the person, you know, get some confidence back and understand they can manage themselves on their own. But in the situation where someone's spending more than 10% of their income on debt payments, it's pretty rare we can't do a better job for them than what they're doing right now.
0: I think one of the most important things that you find out when you come in and sit down uh, with any of the staff at Sands & Associates in their offices is that you find out you're not alone. Like you're not the first person in the door that's got this issue.
1: No. And, and, you know, people often, uh, not often, but sometimes, you know, they they break down in tears and they say, you know, is this the worst story that you've heard? And I say, you know, probably today I've heard better and I've heard worse and people have been emotional and not emotional. It's a very difficult situation, but we're professionals in dealing with it and everyone feels respected every moment they walk through the door.
0: So if you want to take that step, give them a call. You can get that free debt consultation, uh, Sands & Associates. This is their toll-free number 1-800-661-3030. Go to the website, terrific website sands-trustee.com you're listening to dollars and cents with blair manton from sands and associates Welcome to Dollars and Cents. I'm Elaine Scollin, along with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates. They're experts in helping you get out of debt. So this segment's all about student debt. And when I first started reading about what we were going to talk about, Blair, I thought, oh yeah, well, I don't have any student debt. But I know people who do, Mm -hmm. and that are still dealing with it. And these are, you know, professionals in their 30s and 40s in some cases. Uh, So this is really good information, not just for you you if you happen to have student debt, but if you know somebody that has student debt, this is some really good ideas uh, and tips and some encouragement for you Mm -hmm. on how to take it on.
1: Yeah, it's harder than it's ever been to get a good education these days. You know, tuitions more expensive. Living is more expensive. So student debt has become a fact of life for a lot of people.
0: So it is a big issue for people. There's no question about it. So what advice do you have uh, for current students or people even coming to the end of their study Uh, who haven't quite got that job yet or who are in line uh, to deal with the the student debt. I mean, it sounds like such a drag to be starting a new career with that big kind of collar of debt around your neck.
1: Yeah, so I think there's, there's different kind of layers or, or steps to that advice. So we'll go through that kind of in, in detail today, um, you know, whether you're just starting out or you're out of school already. Um, you know, I think first off, just for our listeners, you know, just kind of painting the picture, We you know, yeah. what, what's the significance of, of student debt as of now? Um, you know, in 2018, the Canadian University Survey Consortium, uh, they surveyed 15,000 graduating students um, and Fifty percent of those finished with debt, so it's again one in two now um, yeah. uh, dealing with student debt, and the average debt was just under twenty-eight thousand dollars.
0: Which, in my mind, and, and and I could be completely wrong about this, that sounds like kind of a starting wage, depending on what industry you're entering mm-hmm. into.
1: Yeah. Oh, definitely, that's you know a reasonable starting wage, depending on you know your hourly wage. But um, but yeah, you know that's that's a pretty significant um, you know stone, so to speak, around your neck. And not to say it's something that's going to drag you down. It won't if you're going to be able to earn the income to support it, um, but it can be a challenge. Um, you know, in our most recent consumer debt study, it's just under 5% of people that filed for bankruptcy or did a consumer proposal said that a student loan was the primary cause, the reason why they were dealing with their debts. You know, it's much more common and it's, you know, it's, a, it's a factor in other situations, but for 5% of people, uh, it was the main reason why they were doing a bankruptcy or a proposal was because of the student debt.
0: Because they couldn't get out of it and mm-hmm. then everything else just added on top of it. The yeah. student debt... Uh, as we know, and I know that we're going to talk about that in this segment, uh, it's it's a challenge to deal with. There's not a lot of wiggle room, mm-hmm. so to speak.
1: Yeah, it's the government. government's got more power than anybody else, as, as all of our longtime listeners would know here. Yeah. Um, so in terms of advice from before. Yeah. What do you do? So before you're a student, um, you know, first off is, again, coming back to that classic idea of making a budget and figuring out what do you actually need? So, you know, figure in your tuition, your books, your rent, groceries, other costs of living. Um, think about, can you get a part-time job? Can you be a TA? Can you mark? Can you do various different things uh, to defray some of the costs uh, and have a backup plan? You know, in, in the event that you can't make that, so, that sort of income, um, you know, is there anything that you're going to be able to do to fill the gap? Is there any other sources of parental or, or family resources there? Um, also be careful that, um, you know, if you're awarded a bunch of money and you don't need it, Don't take it. You don't know, take just it. Just because the government's going to give you $10,000, not give you, loan you $10,000, uh, and you only need 7000 it's generally not a wise decision to say, oh, well, I don't have to pay interest on this for a few years. Let me just take this money. I'm sure it'll come in handy somewhere. Uh, years down the road, you won't remember what that extra money went for, but you can bet you're going to curse that you took more student loan than you actually needed because you will be paying it back with interest.
0: See, I think this is really good information for parents of students as well, right? Mm-hmm. Especially the budget part. Yeah. Uh, Really, really good idea. So, what what about other resources? What 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 is available to students these days?
1: Yeah. So RESPs are you know relatively new in the last ten years ish or so. So ideally, a lot of current students are fine. There are some resources they can access through there. So you know, obviously, make sure you know if your parents have an RESP or right. s- another family member something has started that, it
0: that a parent starts.
1: Yeah. Uh, now with advent of the internet, obviously it's easier than ever to find out more and more about scholarships, bursaries, awards, different things that you can apply for. Uh, I remember I went to York University and uh, back then I would type into Google, you know, different awards, bursaries for the business school. And I found things that people wouldn't apply for every year. I applied for them. It was $500 here, $300 there, you know, essentially free money from just completing a pretty simple application. So really make sure you've turned over all the stones for bursaries, awards, um, different things you might not be aware of. And they might be, a little bit under uh, under the radar because they could be small dollar amounts each, maybe just a few hundred dollars, but in aggregate, that can really make a difference.
0: Yeah, they can really add up quickly, or even just be a real foundation mm-hmm. uh, to w- to start out on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, sort of general tips on how to manage student loans, if you got any of those.
1: Yeah. So once you've graduated, so first off, you need to know what are the loans that I have. You know, are they government, non-government? What are the grace periods? So typically, it's six months after you've graduated is when you have to start paying in but the interest is charged right away so be aware of that and be aware of what day the payments are due. The last thing you want uh, is that you're continually paying your student loans or your lines of credit late Uh, even though you're making the payments you're not making them on time and that's putting a negative notation even though your behavior is actually quite good.
0: Now I like that you've included the uh, idea that don't rely on more credit to bridge that gap between your income and expenses.
1: Yeah that's again the classic thing that we see a lot is just a broken budget so people have graduated graduated. Um, they've got some access to credit because at Frost Week, you know, they were offered about three or four different credit cards and, you know, every every bank wants to get everyone hooked young these days, it seems. Mm-hmm. Um, so people find, oh my God, my rent's so expensive. I cost too much to live. I want to have a little bit of fun. And then suddenly every month there's a few hundred dollars that's going on the credit cards and not getting paid off. So you need to be very careful that whatever budget that you have, you've budgeted in there for your student loan repayment and that it balances, that there's not a gap that's going to be filled with credit every month.
0: Our student financial assistance offices much help for folks?
1: They definitely can be. So, you know, government regulations are changing all the time, you know, uh, even in election cycles, governments often Mm -hmm. talk about, you know, various income thresholds for when you won't have to pay back or changes in grace periods. Um, So the best way to know what exactly is happening is to speak to your student financial aid office.
0: Okay. So let's look at some strategies to deal with student loan debt. And I know that you you, as a licensed insolvency trustee are often helping people. And you mentioned it first off that student debt was the first thing that got somebody into uh, a jam and, Mm -hmm. and debt accumulated after that.
1: Yeah. So there's definitely things you can do to deal with your student loan and the trustee can help you with those. Now, student debt is treated differently than just about any other debt in Canada because, you know, essentially the government, from what they say, they're an involuntary creditor. You know, they advance student loans to just about anybody without really considering about credit worthiness or, or likely repayment. So what that means in the law is that once you graduate, if you do a bankruptcy or a consumer proposal, and it hasn't been seven years since you were last a student, you'll get the relief of that bank or a proposal during the time you're doing it, so no one can collect from you, harass you, or anything like that, but when you finish the bankruptcy or the proposal, the student loan debt is still going to be owed by you. So, if you've got a ton of student loans and you're out of school a year or two, going bankrupt on those isn't going to solve the problem. It would eliminate other debts. If those are a big problem, you still might want to do it, but it's not going to solve the problem if it's been less than seven years. So, for anyone, if it's been more than seven years, absolutely you can restructure a student loan. You can do a consumer proposal, usually offer back a third or a half of the debt or something reasonable. Or if that's not possible, you can do a bankruptcy. Uh, But if it's been less than seven years, it still makes sense to speak with a trustee because we can give you a, a lot of coaching, a lot of insight on in how you can face the debt, uh, maybe try to negotiate some lower payments for a period of time. Uh, but again, the seven-year waiting period makes it a little bit more difficult to restructure the debt straight out of school. But I can understand the objectives there, too. You want everyone to graduate, work their best, try to earn a lot of income. You know, The number one objective is to pay the student loan back, not to have to restructure it.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure the idea of, of having to take some action is a bit daunting for young people, too, just starting out. A bank. Bankruptcy, especially thinking that that might be an option, but you're going to help them figure that out.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, bankruptcy would only be the option if there's no other option. And I can't see, you know, recommending to someone that they would go bankrupt if it's not going to deal with their student loans. Now, in some cases, you know, someone might be a fresh graduate, they've gotten into an ICBC accident, they've had a million dollar liability assessed against them, they probably need to go bankrupt even though the student loan is going to survive, at least they're going to deal with the other massive debt. Uh, but for the most part, it's best to try to work, earn income for a few years, See what's the best you can do. And usually the government's going to be relatively reasonable for the first few years. It's when they start to start seizing your wages, seizing your assets, sending you over to collection agencies. That's when you'd want to reach out for help.
0: Now, if any of this information is ringing a bell for you and you want to get some some either advice or some help, give them a call. Sands & Associates, you can get a confidential free debt consultation. This is their 1-800 number, six six one thirty thirty. Go to their website. It's also terrific, sands-trustee.com com to learn more. You're listening to Dollars and Cents. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKW.